1: This is Athletics Life Stories with your host, Chris Broadbent. I couldn't become complacent when Perry was there because I had to up my game to 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 be the best in the country. Remember after my race, just thinking, I don't I don't know if this is for me. Like that's the biggest stage to compete on and Welcome
0: to Athletics Life Stories with me, Chris Broadbent. Uh, My guest this week is Ailey Doyle. Uh, Ailey is a a three-time world finalist uh, in in her individual event, 400 metre hurdles, also an Olympic finalist in the 400 metre hurdles. And she is Scotland's most bemedled or decorated, however you describe it, uh, athlete in history. Um, She's recently retired uh, and she's my special guest today. So thanks for joining us, Ailey. Nice to see you. How are you?
1: I'm good, thank you. Thank you for having me.
0: Good, good, good to have you here. Um, so let's go right back to the start and t- tell me how you started in, in the sport, in, in the sport athletic or, or any sports. I, I know you had some early success in swimming as well, didn't you? So just tell me about the, turn about right to the start, how it all kicked off for you.
1: Yeah, I mean I just came from a, a very sporty family. Um, I'm one of four kids, I'm the youngest of four and um, my mum my actually did a lot of swimming um, and we all, kind of just enjoyed watching sport enjoyed playing so I was really into swimming to begin with because of my mum and then it was my big sister Iona that got into athletics because she ran across country for the school um, and basically won it out the park and nobody really expects her to win it including us including Car, including her teacher Um, and then she was approached after running that race asked whether she was at a club and she wasn't part of a club so it was um, Polly Norman who was a member of Petrivi Athletics Club she said why didn't you come along join our club and I went with her basically to keep our company and um yeah became a member of Betrievee tried every event eventually found the event that worked for me and and well the rest is kind of history as they say <laughs> um but it wasn't obviously straight straightforward as that but that was pretty much how I got into it and got into athletics I always kind of knew I was quite a good runner based on kind of racing people at school um but like I say swimming was the uh, initial sport and then once I Joy Patrivi did a bit more athletics, tried a few different events. I really kind of fell in love with the sport. And that was kind of where I ended up, you know, um, as I got older.
0: So it was in the DNA then right from the start that you guys had a bit of talent about you?
1: Yeah, I think we were just generally, we were never, I mean, I won won races in in swimming, but we were always just generally quite sporty. So I was always good at PE. I was always kind of good if we were playing team sports. And we, we all kind of had that within us. We were all quite coordinated you know quite um quite fit quite healthy um just in general um and so whenever we kind of turned our hands to sort of sport we were always generally quite good at it you know not out and out the, you know brilliant but always quite you know just good at sort of trying a bit of everything and yeah and I to my mum and dad because they were both sporty but both really enjoyed kind of watching sport as well so we were kind of just always surrounded by it
0: Okay, okay. And tell me about your swimming then. You you were quite. You say you you being quite modest, I think, because you were did get to sort of national level at swimming, didn't you?
1: Yeah, I was. I was well, Scottish girls champions. I won the Scottish schools twice in a row. It was fifty meters butterfly. So I was I was a sprinter in terms of swimming terms. Oh. You know, I I I eventually went to hundred fly, but I, I didn't enjoy it. I liked the just the one length butterfly head down. That was it. You know, um. So I won that a couple of a couple of times. Um, and yeah, it was. It was it's hard to tell in someone because it you, you're you kinda have success you kinda do it from a young age and uh I kinda had success really young, but I mean I was out of the sport by the time I was sort of fifteen. I'd kinda decided at that point I wanted to be an athlete. So you can yeah, I, I kinda look at the time I thought I was very successful, but I kinda look back now and think, Well, I was just I was just a baby really doing it, you know, and, and competing at that age um and not really understanding what it meant to sort of be really dedicated to a sport and really train hard and, and, and go and have success.
0: Was there any of your contemporaries then in swimming in, that went on to, to make a success of themselves in the sport?
1: No the only names I can remember being around when I was swimming was Caitlin McClatchy she was one of the names that I remember um, sort of always seeing her but yeah none of the girls that I swam against that, that I remember the names ever um, you know I, I, it wasn't like Hannah Miley was around when I was swimming in those days or anything like that um, I mean she would have been but um she's younger than I am so we were never competitors or anything like that but it was Caitlin McClatchy was the name I always can remember was was around
0: okay okay and then just go back to Petrivi that first your athletics club which has been your club all the way through um can you just tell me what your first experience is there what was the do you you actually remember first walking in there with your with your sister and and, uh into this this mini stadium if you like in Dunfermline and, and absorbing it all yeah
1: well, it was. I remember going. So their sort of club nights were Tuesday and Thursdays. And when we went there, it was kind of like, "How old are you? This will be where you go to." And so they had. I was nine when you could join, and so they had sort of coaches for the 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 nine year olds, and that was obviously you just tried everything. Um. So it was a lady called Monica that looked after me when I first joined. Um. And and yeah, you were just kind of put into the group of kids that were all that age, and you just tried everything, you know. Um throws, jumps, long distance sprints, Um, and then my sister, she, I can't remember who actually my sister went to first, but I think she was in a very similar situation, she went to sort of a group, first of all, um, tried a bit of everything, but then they kind of, I think, were specialising her towards a distance, because it was like a cross-country race that she'd obviously been seen um, winning, Um, and and that was it, You sort of did that for a few years, under 13, under 15, under 17, was then when you start to specialise to your, your chosen events, and Pretty much under 13 or 15 I used to do cross countries I used to do um eight hundreds on the track and then I tried a little bit of sprint hurdling and it was when I got to under 17 it was right let's combine the sort of endurance of the 800 with your hurdle ability and it was 300 hurdles the event that I found and and that was you know I always say that was my event because I was unbeaten at that event for the two years that you can do it um under 17 level and then the natural progression from the 400 meat hurdles, and and so once I kind of got stuck with the 300 meat hurdles, that was me. I was destined to then to go and be a, a 400 meat hurdler.
0: Yeah, yeah. Funny you mentioned that you're doing cross country. I have this vague recollection of of turning up to a cross country myself, and just as a as a <laughs> bog standard average club runner, <laughs> and seeing you there as like a, as like a young 3A's sort of level <laughs> hurdler taking part in your, in your club best left cross country and saying what the heck is she doing here yeah uh, I but,
1: but, but that, right was, that was
0: that was the way wasn't it
1: in, in, yeah I did cross country right up until I was under 20 I think um I don't think I, I don't think I did it was under 23 I think I'd stopped that point but it was and at that point I only really did the 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 release the Scottish release because um they were slightly less distance but it was always good my coaches always said um that it was always good to get that sort of endurance there and that sort of yeah toughness. Um, John um, John Wands, who was a coach at Petrivi, it was always his kind of um, sort of philosophy or his kind of you know his his method that it was about doing cross country. And I remember he used to always use me as an example to all his younger athletes that well she's still doing the cross country and she's a, she's a track athlete and and uh, yeah I think it definitely. Part of my strength in in, in 400 metres and 400 meter hurdles is my endurance. And I think that does did always come down to the fact that I did a lot of cross country and probably from my swimming days as well. that you know, I had quite a good endurance capacity. OK, so there's some method to the madness then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> OK, OK. And so about your
0: early successes, you started to have some early success at uh, you know, Scottish Championships, three A's and the rest. When did you first start to think, you know, well, I've, got, I've got something here, I'm really starting to, you know, because I've got a bit of talent here.
1: Yeah, I probably wasn't until I got under, to under seventeen because prior to that, like I say, I did a bit of eight hundred, did a bit of sprint hurdles, but I was never the the best. I was I would I would make the podium, I would I would maybe occasionally get a, a sneak of gold here and there, but I was always kind of you know second or third. And then it wasn't until I got to under seventeen where I, I was winning everything, you know, and and then I broke the Scottish record, I broke the British record, and then it was like oh, you know, it was like a unique moment, right? I found my event, um, mm. and then. And then I just kind of assumed it would be this natural progression to four hundred metre hurdles, not naively, naively thinking that the extra hundred metres won't make that much of a difference, but really it, it does. It's a totally different event. Um, and so I kind, of, I kind of was okay when I first started the four hurdles, but then that coincided with going to university. And then I kind of fell away from the sport, a I got caught up in sort of the university lifestyle, enjoyed that. And then when I kind of came out of university, that's when I started to take my athletics seriously again, And it probably wasn't until that stage that I thought, oh, actually, I can make a good go of this now. Um, So, I mean, probably in my early twenties, you know, when I got my first kind of GB senior vest, was probably when I actually realised, oh, okay, I could actually, you know, do something here.
0: Okay, okay. I think I think most people would identify with the idea of going to university and getting a bit distracted with life at university uh, but what what uh, but there must have been something in you that just kept the fires burning a lot of people drop out at that point but you there must have been something inside you that just kept the fires burning away there what was that?
1: Yeah I think I just missed it so like my first couple of years of uni I, I didn't really train that much um, and I kind of just lived the, the the student lifestyle and it was great for that that first year Um, it was okay for that second year and then it was kind of like well oh, this is this is okay, but I'd rather kind of be doing what I was doing before. I'd rather get back into training and, and sort of focus on that again. And again, that coincided with getting um, a strength and conditioning coach coming in and helping as well. And so I was starting to sort of see benefits too. Um, so, yeah, I think it was it was almost like the first and second year was like a sort of get out of your system. You know, I could go mm. and kind of – I mean, I was, I was young as well when I went to uni. I was only 17 when I went to uni because I was sort yeah. of early um, – my birthday's February – so it's different, um, it's different so, in
0: scotland isn't it to the rest of the uk yeah. it's quite a young age it seems from a you know from a yeah. I yeah think so,
1: to go to so university yeah. by the time i'd yeah by the time i'd realized i went were, of- you weren't
0: you weren't drinking legally were you, you were at 17 no no of course not um yeah the
1: good thing about the the good thing about your student cards in edinburgh university actually is they don't have your birthday on them so if you showed your student card, you would get into most places. Just That's right, not that I was drinking the, in those places. Matric- yeah, what <laughs> <laughs> was your number? But yeah, you could get into most clubs um, for that September to February period when I was still 17. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think that was and 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 I think it was good for me as well because it did allow me to understand how much I missed it and wanted to get back into it and get back into shape and I had, I had to have a couple of humbling years as well of trying to get back and and train and and having put on weight and having lost fitness and then racing girls that I probably you know should have been beating who are beating me um it gave me a little bit of you know desire a little bit of want for it you know rather than just kind of coming back and getting beaten and thinking all right okay this it isn't for me it was kind of like oh no I really want to buckle down here and and get out there and 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 run a bit run faster and get fitter so um I think you know I would I don't really believe in regrets but I don't think. I don't even think I would go back. I'd go back and change anything. I don't care to ever change anything because I think that was really significant to my future career. You know, it was almost like I had those couple of years where I could effectively be normal, you know, or as I saw being normal, um, and then I could get back into my sport after that
0: right okay because uh, so you didn't really get you didn't really make the junior teams did you you didn't go to world juniors or you but, but by no. under twenty under 23s you were back in the game weren't you Really? yeah
1: and that that all kind of coincides with that because I went to university in 2004 so kind of four into five five into six were kind of write-offs where I didn't really do any you know do anything uh, spectacular or run that well and then it was 2007 where I made a big kind of jump I you know my PB went from sort of Running, running, kind of fifty nine seconds to then fifty seven to then going to the other twenty three Europeans finishing fifth, um, and then two thousand eight, two thousand nine, and two thousand nine was again under 23s I went there, won a silver medal, made my first ever World Championship teams, um, and that was after graduating, sort of thing. So yeah, so it kind of all coincides with uh with university life.
0: And, and how did it feel stepping into the, the the GB senior team for the first time and looking around at probably. People you've seen on TV or people—it's quite a—it's a big step. A first GB vest is quite a moment for any athlete.
1: Yeah, it was really daunting, and I remember my first vest was a—it was a European. Well, it used to be the European Cup. It's not a European Team yeah. Championships, but when I did it, it was a European Cup. And uh, so it was—you know—it's the 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 women's team and the men's team. You know, it's all about getting points and that. So it was it was quite it was quite a nice one for my first one because it wasn't a big championship. It wasn't a major like a Worlds or a Europeans or an Olympics. It was. Um, it was a sort of, you know, a long weekend away with the, the team. and But I remember just seeing people like, you know, Christina Hurigui on the team and Philip Adovu and just people that, you you know, I'd watched and seen on telly. And then th- I think the biggest thing for me was actually once I'd finished my race, I had to go straight and get interviewed by Jonathan Edwards and Colin Jackson at the side of the track. <laughs> I'd never done that before. And I kind of thought, they want to interview me like and it's like no they're interviewing every single athlete that's competing for GB and I remember uh, it was probably one of the worst <laughs> interviews I've ever done and I remember watching it back thinking god I'm, I'm really Scottish sounding I didn't realize I sounded so Scottish um but yeah so that was yeah it was a, it was an experience <laughs>
0: Oh, yes it was that in Portugal that one I think I recall that yeah yeah okay yeah, yeah. yeah okay oh nice nice but then you've got the you, you got going then didn't you, you really started to it was, it was quick progression and and then the next year was the well the world champs that year you went to Berlin how was how was that for you
1: yeah I mean that was great because again that was at the end of a, a big season so we'd been targeting European 23s that year Um and I think I think subsequently since then they they tend to get athletes at that level to focus on one. So if you want to focus on n 23s you're not necessarily going to get picked for the individual at the world championships but at that point it was myself and Perry we'd both gone to n 23s we'd finished first and second then we both got to go to the world championships and do the individual there. Um so Berlin was kind of like the icing on the the cake of an end of a really good season um and the the, the sort of challenge was there to try and make the semi-final try and get as far as I could. Uh, try and run as you know as as close to my best as I could and, and it was it was a like, sort of gave a good count of myself made the semi-finals ran close to my season's best and but yeah I think it was being able to again experience a holding camp experience watching other athletes how they conduct themselves and how they behave um, and then being out at the track watching people have success like I was there the night Jenny Meadows won her medal and Lisa Dabriskie so yeah just really understanding that oh this is a really good place to be this is where I want to be you know I want to make the next team um so yeah it was a really positive experience that first world champs uh,
0: you're, i guess you're a fan of the sport as well as an athlete aren't you? you're a fan of the sport mm-hmm. so that that was the world champs where you know bolt just you saying yeah. bolt was just absolutely awesome so it was an awesome championship to pass of I you mean, it must have made you i don't know i guess it just really think it was thrilling to be part of the whole thing really was it a real thrill
1: yeah it was and and, and also it, it's nice to look back on it now because I remember going there and thinking, like looking at the level of the girls in my event as well, and thinking, oh my goodness, these girls that are in this making that final are just something else, you know. They're they're seeing them like way up here and seeing me down there. So I think it's good, you know, when I then I when I went to the next World Championships and started making finals to kind of see the journey and see how far I'd come. It gave me a good perspective of that. Um, but yeah, like I say, I'm just, I am a fan, you're right. And it was, it was just, it was nice to kind of be able to go there. I wasn't part of the four by four at that, that point either. So, you know, I was kind of finished early on in, in the champs. So I could then go down and be watching every other session um, and just, and, and that was the end of my season. So yeah, I could just really enjoy the whole, the whole champs after that. We took it all, we brought them to our land, an endless night.
0: Okay okay great. And the next next year was the it's a, it's a, it's a big deal in Scotland the the Commonwealth Games you know and you're a bit of a focal point yeah. for that or it certainly have been throughout your career. <laughs> yeah. Um and you got your first senior medal at Delhi. Tell me a bit about the whole Delhi experience. <laughs> yeah. Good that and bad.
1: Yeah. Well it was it was right at the end of the season so it was October time so it'd been a kind of you you were trying to sort of, keep the fitness going and, and and there was no races kind of the, I think the last diamond league was was Zurich in September and then there was maybe like three three weeks of no races so it was trying to like keep fit and get ready for the champs um, and and I hadn't experienced that was my first multi-sports champs as well but I, I just remember all the, the talk beforehand you know of nothing was going to be ready for us it was going to be a disaster and we we were out later because athletics is always on at the end of the program so we were actually out later, and I think the, the 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 team that went out, the the team Scotland that went out at the very start, I think they would have different stories to tell you about Delhi than than what we had when we arrived. Things were okay, things were clean, things were ready. But I think when the first group went, they they had to do a lot of cleaning and and getting the the whole apartment ready for us arriving. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was it was one of those ones where you're in it together. So it's maybe not like five star quality. It's maybe a little bit rough around the edges, but you've got your team there and you're all in it together. And the athletics team was quite small. um, And we all just kind of really bonded. It was a really good um, team spirit out there. And we'd all kind of sit in one apartment at night and chat and watch the athletics. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's one of my favourite championships, you know, just the sort of friendships that we all made, the sort of time that we had out there was just really good fun. Um, And then to top it off to kind of win a medal my first medal um was really special and again I look back and that's probably the one that got away I think you know I, I look back at my Commonwealth Games and they're all silvers but the Delhi one's probably one where I look back now and think ah, oh, do you know what I probably could have won that race but I think for me it was an experience it was the you know the 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 learning curve of being at a championships um you know of being in amongst all that and um you know so I think I have to kind of appreciate the fact that I would got a silver at it um But yeah, it was it was yeah a strange chance, but one that I look back fondly. You know, I enjoyed the whole experience.
0: Great. Uh, and just skipping forward a bit now, but London London 2012 it was not too far away, was it? How,
1: that was no. uh, obviously
0: something that in your career. You know, we got London got the games in I think 2005, so it was something that an athlete of your age would have mm-hmm. on the horizon, and probably mentioned to you by journalists all the time because uh, yeah. it's, it's right in your hotspot of your career. Um, was that a big, I mean, was that something which you thought about a lot in, 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 your, in your career as you were leading up to it? And then what was it like when you actually got to it as well?
1: Yeah, well, the lead up to it was very different to the actual being there. So, the, the, like, yeah, it was it was one that, it was the it was a chance that you didn't want to miss because it was the one that everyone was talking about. It was it, like all your sponsorship deals were kind of based around it as well. Like, you know, kit sponsors and funding. It was all about, you know, making that Olympic team. And, and I'd moved down to Bath to train with Malcolm Arnold. In the, I, I joined him the end of 2010 after Delhi, but I was still teaching at that point. Um, and so it was the end of 2011. I actually left my job as a teacher and moved down to Bath to train purely, you know, to train towards Commonwealth, uh, the Olympic Games. And at that point, Malcolm had a real big squad in there. He had like Di Green, who was the current world champion. He had Jack Green, Andy posse Lawrence Clark, all these kind of youngsters. He had Natasha Danvers in the hurdles as well, who'd, who'd obviously won bronze in, in Beijing. So I was kind of going down there and, and putting myself in where I felt was the best environment to, to make that team. And and everything went really well. Like my training went really well. Just being in there, being close to Malcolm was really useful. I think I got the qualifying standard fairly early on in the season. And then it was just a case of going to trials and finishing top two, which, again, was pretty straightforward because it's only myself and Perry that done the qualifying standard. So there wasn't really anybody that would kind of upset it. And and the only one that potentially could have got it would have been Megan Beasley. And bar Megan, there wasn't really anybody else. So they would still be able to take three of us. So and and so I finished second at the trials and that was it. It was it was all very straightforward. And um Di had won, Jack had been second, Andy Pod had won, Lawrence had been second. So basically our whole squad had had done the job and made the team. So it was a really kind of positive feeling afterwards. But when I got to Olympics, it was well, it was totally and utterly overwhelming. It was a really horrible mm. experience, <laughs> you know. Really? The whole build yeah. up would've been great. But when I got there, it was just horrible. I just felt really out of place. I felt a bit like I'd got in there by accident, you know, just because it was it it was the it was the fact it was a home games, I think, because it was like mm. so much attention on on, on the G B athletes. And and that's the thing, even if you weren't like even if you weren't somebody who was expecting to get a medal, like you were still getting the same cheers and the same support as like Jess Ennis and, and Greg and all those guys that won the medal. So, you know, I remember stepping out onto the track and just thinking, oh, I don't want to be here. Like I just there's, there's too many people like expecting things off me. And and I really let the occasion kind of get on top of me and I remember after my race, just thinking, I don't I don't know if this is for me. Like that's the biggest stage to compete on and and I didn't like that. You know, I felt really uncomfortable. Um, and so, well, yeah. You, you felt a, like that could be it for you. I just, I just don't, I'm not sure I yeah.
0: happened handle this anymore, really.
1: Yeah, I, I, and, I, and I had to really kind of understand what, what the hell happened. Like, and, and I, I must have given something away when i did done an article after the Games. I don't know if I'd said something because a, a psychologist, a guy called Mike Cunningham had contacted me and said, look, um, I read about your experience at the Olympics. We'd, you know, do you want to just chat? And I kind of worked with sports psychologists before and I was kind of they were fine like I I didn't really I I, I could take, take it or leave it I never really felt I ever needed a sports psychologist and it was always kind of at that stage um, you know back back then it was kind of like oh well, you only need them if you're sort of mentally you know weak and you know if you've got a strong mindset you don't need a sports psychologist so I, I, I never really kind of ventured too deep into it and I'd always kind of competed quite well so I never thought I needed one but I thought oh, I'm, nothing to lose. I'm going to ch- talk to this guy. And um, and he was brilliant. He really, I, I mean, I still talked to him. I talked to him throughout my whole career. I still spoke to him after retired. He's a really good guy to chat to. And um, we kind of just simplified it all. And it was kind of like, why do you do it? You know, and who are you doing it for? And, and we kind of came to an understanding of like, what's what's the most useful way of thinking about how you run and, and, and what's not useful. And, um, and yeah, I kind of reassessed things. I, I kind of, went back to almost like the basics of why I did athletics and it was back you know thinking back to when I joined Batrivi thinking back to when I did it when I was younger it was just like yeah you just enjoy doing it you just have fun doing it like you know you need to kind of get that back and um it was kind of 2012 was a real turning point I think mentally for me as an athlete it was about kind of addressing you know the mindset and what's going on in your head when you're standing on that start line what's going on in your head when you're training um actually you need to kind of work on that as much as you need to work on the physical side of it
0: that's really interesting that's not uh i'm no psychologist but certainly watching the some of the athletics in the this summer european championships in particular just recently i won't name names but certain athletes i've, I've seen you I've i thought have lost that sense of fun it's become yeah. quite intense well you can see in their interviews they are tense they are very tense the whole thing yeah and it's uh it, it's you think you feel like reaching to tv and saying you know it's okay it's, this is fun <laughs> you're, an, yeah, you're an international that's athlete that's you know funny please enjoy yeah. it whilst you are young and you know fit and uh, and it's, it's a really
1: valid point that yeah I know and it, it does seem basic but it's yeah it's, it's it's trying to kind of delve into that and find that again and understand that yes okay it's you might have targets and you might have you know funding things that you need to try and achieve to, but but ultimately yeah it, it is fun and, and that's why you go into sport um so yeah. so yeah it seems simple but sometimes yeah your your mind has other other plans
0: yeah, yeah, and then just getting us to next year, you're up to Moscow then for the World Championships, and this is um, mm-hmm. and you and you and Perry Shakespeare have got a bit of a domestic rivalry then between the two of you, um, and you both get to the final in, in Moscow, and uh, well, mm-hmm. just tell me what your take is on that on that final. It was quite an interesting final, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, well, I was really, I didn't know really know what had happened, so like I, I I remember crossing the line thinking uh, that was a brilliant race race for me because technically I'd I'd uh I made a few errors, a couple of starters, um, and I wasn't sure who'd who who'd finish where. I knew I was kind of middle of the, the pack, um. And so when I looked at the board, it was it was it was like right, well, the names were coming. And then I was like, hold on a minute. And Perry was behind me. And at that point, you know, we did have a good domestic rivalry. But at that point, Perry, you know, had, had made that surge ahead of me. And Perry was kind of going into that that race probably not favourite. I said Susanna Higlner was the favourite, but Perry was definitely in there definite favorite for the silver but could challenge for 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 gold and um and so when I looked behind I was like well she's behind me so something's got, something's happened and uh I remember going up to her because she looked just a bit shell-shocked um and I just said are you are you okay what's happened and she just she's kind of pointed at her knee and she's like something's wrong with my knee and um, so I walked off the track and we got the doctor to come down and that and then we had to, so I had to go and do my interview and everything like that and then that was the last I saw of her um, I went back to the warm-up track and I met her coach and he was asking me if everything was okay and uh, I just said look I think she's hurt herself I think she's hurt her knee um, and then it was later on that night we found out that she'd been flown home and she was going to go and get surgery and and then I thought right that's that'll be her she'll get her surgery to be back next season but that was obviously a kind of not so much a career-ending injury but a, definitely a hurdle ending injury for her um and yeah and and and, and so it kind of took a it took a little bit of the, I wouldn't say the shine off my race because my race wasn't that great, but it took a little bit of the sort of like evaluating of my race. <laughs> you know, it was kind of like I would go back and analyse that race, see what happened away because it was kind of like what what actually happened in that race. And um, yeah, it was just, it was it was a strange, a strange hmm. evening.
0: Yeah, like you say, it was it was sort of the end of her hurdles, career effectively. I know she moved on to the flat with a bit of success, but still wasn't the same same athlete. It was Is that... Do you do you think it would have been good to have her around throughout your career, or do you or not? What do you think?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's funny because I I ran my PB in 2013, and then I didn't run a PB again until 2016. And I always ran a PB when I raced Perry, <laughs> and right. she would tend to run a PB when she raced me as well. So I think it definitely it definitely pushed us both on. Um, but I went on. 2014 was a huge year for me, um, and 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 it's interesting because I think it did me good not having her in the trials that year. Like you know, because it allowed me just to have quite a straightforward. You know, I, I, I there wasn't a massive amount of competition in the trials that year, um, so it, it kind of allowed me to not have to peak for trials. It allowed me to peak for the Commonwealth Games. You know, and then I had the Europeans a couple of weeks later, so it gave me time then to recover and get ready for that. So I don't know. I think um I think I think if we'd both been together, we'd have just pushed it on domestically and we I probably would have run faster. Like I always say I I didn't really have any regrets in my career, but one of the things I always think I was capable of was running fifty three over the hurdles, which I never ever mm. did in my career. I ran fifty four oh nine. Um and that was the closest I got to it. But I always think if I'd raced Perry maybe a couple of years longer, I definitely would have run sub so 54. So hmm. so yeah, I think um, I think you just I think you, you you can't take for granted that having somebody in your country who's pushing you constantly all the time. Um, you know, and you can become a bit complacent. And and the thing is I d I couldn't become complacent when Perry was there because I had to up my game to 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 be the best in the country, let alone the best, you know, in Europe or the world. You know, so So, yeah, I think, I don't don't know, you know, you just never know what would have happened if if she still would have been around for a a few years longer over the hurdles.
0: Would have been interesting to see, yeah.
1: If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss.
0: That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. So 2014, big year, obviously. Glasgow, at the Commonwealth Games, uh, mm-hmm. fantastic uh, <laughs> event. Uh, big event for you as well, the Commonwealth Games, more so than many British athletes. But the Scots take the Commonwealth Games hugely seriously. Yeah. Um, and and being being in Glasgow it just ratchets it up a, another level as well. So you're one of the faces of the faces of the games, weren't they? Was that an enjoyable yeah. experience for you? That more enjoyable than 2020 uh,
1: 2012? Well, because I've been working with Mike, it, it did. It was it was. I could really kind of see it for what it was, and, and and I just did see it for a little for fun for a bit of a laugh, like you know. Because I remember, um, I remember my agent at the time, a guy uh, Greg Greg McHugh, and he was my agent at the time, and he'd he came up to me and he says we've got an opportunity here to do um do a sort of campaign it was the sse campaign and he says but what it'll mean is he's like he's like you'll, you'll be everywhere your face will be everywhere and he says i don't want to say yes to it in case um it puts too much pressure on you he says and i don't want you to go there and, and, and not run well because you're, you're going to feel too much pressure and and i sort of thought about it and I thought, well do you know what if it's not me it's going to be somebody else and i'd rather see my face everywhere <laughs> 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 so I was like oh no we'll just go for it let's just go for it and uh, and so I did I just enjoyed it for what it was but I mean the thing was, I could enjoy it more because I was in, I was in Bath at the time so I kind of could hide from a lot of it you know because it wasn't as big a deal down in England as it was up in Scotland so my face wasn't everywhere in England so it was just in Scotland so I could just kind of switch off from it and um, but I, I knew my I know my family didn't like that they felt real nervous and real pressure you know, and, and a lot of people were asking them, you know, about it, and, and so I think they, they they didn't really enjoy it as much, but I just thought it was funny, like, there was a big picture outside Glasgow airport, and I remember, like, jumping out the car and getting out and getting a photo with it and stuff, and just kind of, like, just enjoying it from what it was, you know, and, 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 and that a, was the, a, a selfie I, with yourself then, yeah? Yeah, pretty much. Because <laughs> okay. um, I thought, when am I ever going to get this opportunity again? When is when is that going to be around? And it's never going to happen again to me, you know. So it's like, why not enjoy the fact that I'm, you know, I'm, I'm I'm in the sort of peak of my career. I have a home games, and you know, I've a, a real good chance of winning a medal. And but again, a lot of that was helped with, you know, chatting with my my psychologist, every so often to just kind of, you know, refocus and understand, you know, that. All of that sort of stuff that goes on is not really relevant. You know, it's just the sort of external stuff, and it's about how I, you know, go onto the track and execute my race, and that's the sort of the main thing.
0: Okay, okay, but good to get a silver though, still.
1: Yeah, and the thing yeah. is, the thing is, the games for me were really, they were really quite straightforward because ultimately, I wasn't somebody like I wasn't somebody who was expected to win you know, it would have been the fairy tale if I'd have if I'd won, because uh, I was up against Khalees Spencer, who was, you know, I think she was, yes. I think she may have been beaten once that year, but she was pretty much un, un, unbeaten, and she was the world number one. Um, Jamaican, and yeah. so, yeah, so nobody really expected me to to win, but I was always kind of secure in second. Like, I kind of thought, unless I do something really bad, unless I fall or hit a hurdle, I'm pretty much going to get the silver medal here. So I could kind of, again, enjoy that a little bit as well, because um, you know, there wasn't the like Michael Jameson, he was the the sort of poster boy of the games and 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 he finished second as well and he swam really well but everybody thought he was going to win you know with, with with me it was like well yeah I ran well I'm second but nobody thought I was you know I was ever going to win so I could really uh, it it was a nice place to be it was a nice kind of um mindset and 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 the pressure wasn't wasn't so bad
0: okay okay a few weeks later you're off to Zurich the European championships and uh, can I suggest that's the first major championship you lined up where you were the favourite?
1: Yes, definitely. So that was different, a different yeah. pressure,
0: yeah.
1: Different pressure and different sort of kettle of fish there because, like I say, that I was going from, like I say, pretty much potentially completely winning a silver in Glasgow to then going to Europeans being ranked number one. So going there with the expectation of winning, but in a much closer field as well. You know, there were sort of five or six of us girls in that race who. We, we were racing week and weekend at the Diamond Leagues, but it was different results every time we were racing. But I was going into that having the fastest season's best. Um, so yeah, much, much different expectation, much different pressure at, at that chance.
0: I was I was just watching it on YouTube, and it's there's there's a certain seriousness about you before the race. And, yes. Uh, and and when you finish, you tapping your chest in, was it me? Was it me? To somebody in the crowd. So it <laughs> really it's just it's palpable how um your relief i guess is, is yeah. I probably yeah and
1: you know that was that whole chance. It, it was a process I, I pretty much had in my my head my stripe pattern in my race and i'd nailed that stripe pattern all year and so when i was going into that europeans every race it was just like it's another race run that stride pattern another race run that stride pattern and it was only in the final when i came off the last hurdle that i changed from it's just a race run your race to I'm gonna win this I'm gonna be European <laughs> champion and then you see me physically tighten up and everybody comes like catching up on me because I've, and my mindset's changed and so I could just feel this whole like rush of people come right next to me and, and I, and I kind of thought okay I think i got that but I don't know now and it was actually Phil Jones the BBC interviewer who I was like do you have it on your screen do you know like did I win that and then he was like yeah but I couldn't wait until I'd seen it on the big screen, and and that was literally that change of mindset there from just run your race to, I think I'm going to win this. I'm going to be European champion, and you just see everything just tighten up, and I'm trying to get to the line as as soon as possible.
0: Nice moment, there. Nice moment. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was good. So then, next, two more big years: the Beijing World Championships and the Rio Olympics, mm-hmm. uh, and and you become a, an Olympic medalist in. Um, well, you, yeah. you re- reach re- reach finals in both those events, but you become an Olympic medalist. Scotland's first in. It was uh, twenty eight years. Twenty eight years, wow.
1: Yeah, uh-huh, it's a big yeah, gap. Uh-huh. So um,
0: yeah, that must have been quite a moment as well in the relay.
1: It was. It was a strange one because the Olympics for me was really strange because I, I went into the hurdles not, not with a chance of, a, you people would have said probably an outside chance of a medal, you know, because I'd I'd won a couple of Diamond Leagues, um, but there was. Uh, based on I think season's best and times I think I was maybe like seven I think I was actually right seventh or eighth and I finished eighth but I remember running that the hurdles race and I didn't make I didn't make any mistakes I ran a really good race I was lane one I ran a really good race but I just wasn't in it like the rest of the girls were just ahead and I remember crossing the line thinking that's really not fair like I ran like a great race and I've got nothing to show for it, like nothing, like you know. And I'd won a couple of diamond leagues, and I'd beaten a lot of the girls that were ahead of me. And, and I remember just being really gutted that that, that I hadn't I hadn't, I hadn't won anything. And 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 like that's the nature of Olympics. Like people raise their game for the Olympics. So we, you know, it doesn't really matter what's gone on previously in the season. Like people will will do different things at the Olympics. Um, and then so when we went and ran the relay, and we won the medal in the relay, and we all believed that we could do that. Like we we're all really kind of up for it. But I remember when we won, got the medal. I was just like, "Good, I'm glad I've got a medal. because like, I deserved one, <laughs> you know. After the I was really annoyed. Like, so I'm glad I can at least take something home, and I've got an Olympic medal. So yeah, it was it was a funny one, the Olympics for me.
0: Great, great, great quote. Good, she said. Good, it says, Doyle. <laughs> i winning another big
1: medal. <laughs>
0: good so so and then just to go forward a bit of a london 2017 to stick with the home championships um and you were made the captain of that team which is uh yeah quite that a big was really deal.
1: how did that come about yeah i think that's it's probably that's probably one of the highlights of my career actually because that was the first time they'd ever got so normally the performance director always picks the captain um so they'll they'll you know you'll you'll, you'll get i I'd actually been captain in 2014 in the world indoors and it was it was neil black okay. who'd Picked me to be the captain, um, because that was obviously a big year for Scotland. And but then um 2017, they changed the rules and they said, right, rather than the performance director picking a captain, we want the team to pick a captain. So when the whole team was selected, we were all asked to nominate who we wanted to be captain. Um, and so for me, that was like a real honour because I I wasn't even it wasn't even on my it wasn't even in my thoughts that I would be picked because there was people like Mo and Greg and everybody on that team you know had gone there and done stuff so I was really really chuffed like really honoured with that like I remember Neil Black phoning me to tell me and I I was I was just like are you sure like you want to recount it and it's and it's not it's not me trying to be all you know modest it just really was really surprising and it was and like I say I think it it just meant so much more to me because it was my teammates that had chosen me to do it you know And, and I wasn't somebody who'd you know, one medal, like you'd been an Olympic champion or a world champion or anything like that. I wasn't somebody who you would, you know, I think I was just somebody who was chatty in the team, you know, and who would do would try and like speak to everybody. You know, I I don't tend to keep myself to myself. I try and sort of mingle and chat and and yeah, yeah, it was just a really nice thing to have been honoured with. Did
0: you have to do like a pre uh, pre event speech? Did you, was that, was there a moment like that? Yeah. Did so what, speech. what did uh, you
1: say? What did you say to the team? I actually reflected a bit on on twenty twelve and, and my experience then. I kind of said, like, don't waste an opportunity like that. Like, you know, because I was kind of thinking, I I kind of explained it as I was getting a second chance to go back to that same track to go to a world championships, but go there as a different athlete, one that, you know, wasn't going to be intimidated intimidated and overwhelmed by the situation. And it was just about sort of, yeah, making sure you're 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 fulfilling your opportunities and, you, and you're you know you're not thinking oh, there'll be another chance another chance it's about kind of taking your moments when you can. Um, I can't really remember exactly what I said but I did practice it a lot like uh, Brian was Brian was my coach at that point my husband he was my coach and I remember mm-hmm. like because they, they only told me I was captain maybe like a couple of days before we were due to leave out leave because the team had only been selected so I only maybe had like a week to sort of prepare and, and, uh, and I, I I like to be organized like and I like to kind of you know I don't want to just like wing it I'm not great at that sort of stuff so I, I kind of wanted to and I had no idea what I would talk about because it was like well you're going to be talking to people like Mo Farah and how are you meant to like and like motivate him to go and win like he, mm-hmm. he does that like he, you know so um, so yeah I remember sort of writing it and practicing it a lot with Brian I think he was kind of sick of it by the time it actually came to the, the day I was doing it but um, but yeah it was um yeah, probably more never I not do that than it was actually racing <laughs> the champs.
0: Yeah, but it was it was still a good good event for you, wasn't it? It was the, the, it got to the final again in the, the individual, but you also got silver in the relay this time.
1: Yeah, and that was really kind of unexpected because we've always kind of been we're always kind of the best of the rest behind America and Jamaica, um, and it used to be behind America, Jamaica, and Russia. We were always kind of the ones that, that were the best of the rest. So for us um, to kind of do better than bronze which is which is you know not you don't normally get that get that silver was was really special um and again just to be able to do that in front of a home crowd and do that lap of honor it was it was really 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 cool and like i say i kind of compared it to my experience in 2012 and being on that same track to then being able to go and do lap honor on that track in 2017 and just you know night and day and um yeah it was a really a really cool moment
0: Good, good, good. And you mentioned the relay. The relay was obviously a big part of your of your success over the years, and you became quite an established mm-hmm. member of that team. You I've lost count of any relays to a part of for GB, but <laughs> uh, it was. Um, tell me, you, 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 alongside Christine, was in the team for many times with you as well. What, what was the experience like working with the with the relay team? Did you ever get together in between times, or was it just a case of rocking up the championships and uh, no. running as hard as you could?
1: They used to get they used to do get togethers like they used to try and get us to get together at Loughborough like throughout the year and things like that and I think it was it was mainly for the, the they started it with the, the really program and the really funding and they mainly did it i think for the four by ones because they were the ones that needed to kind of you know because their change changeovers are so slick they needed to kind of get together a lot more often but they used to do it for the four by fours as well now and again but I don't think we ever got an occasion where all of us were at the same one. You know, you you, maybe you'd make a couple or you would you'd miss some or I don't think Christine went to any, (laughs) you know, I don't think she was that bothered by them. But they were just kind of a chance to, you know, just kind of get together with, with the girls. But um yeah, I mean I I liked when I first joined the relay and, and it was Christine in it, Christine was the one that was like the calming influence. So I always liked Christine being in the relay with me. And then the thing is, she was pretty much the majority of my career. You know, I think the first team where she wasn't was 2017 World Champ. So she was a very calming influence in that team because she was just, well, she'd been there and done it in the individual. So, you know, it was, and if you know you're passing the baton or you've got the person in your team who's an Olympic champion and a world champion over that event, you definitely feel a lot more relaxed in that. But I think it was just her, her um demeanor in the call-up room you know she just made you seem relaxed She just kind of she had a lightheartedness about it but a seriousness that you, you knew she was going to go and run run hard but it was um yeah when she when she left the team and, and when she when she retired or stopped and then in 2017 I was then the sort of senior member of the team and probably at that point the most experienced I I, I was like oh i I feel uncomfortable, I feel like I need Christine here to kind of, like, you know, just keep me calm, you know, because I'm trying to keep everybody else calm, and I was like, like, okay, like, let's just try to relax, because that was a real, that was quite a young team in 2017, because that was always first, uh, first world champs, and Lavia Nielsen as well, so she, you know, a lot younger than I am, so, um, yeah, it was... Um, so is there a sense was, of, like, was, what
0: would what, what, would Christine do now?
1: Yeah, what would she say? <laughs> she, she, she did always say to us, whenever we went out, she always said to us, we we go on to this... Track as a team. We come off this track as a team, you know. And it was kind of that—that that, you know—alluded to the fact that we, you know, you're not going to blame somebody if if some, you know, you we're not going to look at splits and say, well, you were the slowest. It's like no, we're a team, and we all have our role to do. We all contribute. And and the thing is, a big part of that was Lloyd Cowan, was uh, Christine's coach, mm-hmm. who was the really coach for for again for a, a good chunk of my my career and, and 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 the real early days of me being in the really. And he was a real calming influence as well. And he very much told you exactly what you needed to do and i always respond well to that like if people tell me right run that leg and you do it like this you're gonna go off hard here ease off here then you know i, I can do that um you know and, and he was always really direct with his his sort of advice to you and, and that always kept me calm too and i think yeah a lot of what lloyd sort of probably instilled and christine she instilled in us it was um it was really useful mm.
0: okay okay great um and um the um One, one thing I haven't really touched upon much is, is your indoor experience. You were quite, you, you did do the indoors quite a lot, didn't you, on the flat? And you, you were no yeah. either, were you? You were pretty good on the flat, weren't you indoors? You got no, some, yeah. I mean, you know, I remember you, you got a really swift PB actually, haven't you? Fifty-one fifty-four. It's, yeah, well, for,
1: fifty-one forty-five, which I, which I ran. Forty-five in, was it? Okay. Finished, hmm. That was I ran finishing second to Perry in 2013 at the European Indoors. So I've got a European Indoor silver and a World Indoor silver. a uh, World Indoor bronze, sorry. Uh, over the 400 so it's my only my only global medal um individual medal um obviously i've got european and commonwealth over the hurdle but my only global medal is actually in, in the flat 400 which is from the world indoors um but i just i like 400s indoors i like running them you know i like this the sort of the tactics of them i like the fact that you have to break and and probably you would look at me and probably think you, you, i'm not really suited for indoors because i'm not you, you, t- you t- tend to look at the sort of faster Sort of 200 girls, you know, over the 400 because you have to get to the front, and you have to break. And I'm be more of a sort of strength-based athlete, so I wouldn't necessarily be that quick over the first 200. But I don't know. I just seem to, I just seem to, in, in, particularly in 2013 and in 2018, when I won those medals, I just seemed to just click with how to run it, and I just kept running faster and getting it right and running better. And I, yeah, I loved, I loved indoors. I loved, and I was late to indoors. I only did a proper indoor season in 2013. That was my first. Proper indoor season. I think you know the last time I ran, and then, I remember I remember going to my first race, and it was at the Emirates. And the only indoor track I'd raced that before that was the Kelvin Hall. And uh, I remember standing, thinking, "This track's really flat. Like, why is it so flat? Like, not realizing that the Kelvin Hall, because Kelvin Hall, hall was like a velodrome. And I just thought all crazy, indoor yeah. tracks were like that, yeah. But they were like, no, Kelvin <laughs> Hall was, you know, it's, it was uh its own its own special track. So um, so yeah, so it was quite um inexperienced you know the year I won myself in the European Indoors but um yeah I just I just took it really well and I just really I really enjoyed it I, I love the Indoors I love the 400 Indoors I, I like the 400 Indoors and I like doing the 400 as part of the 4x4 but I'm not a big fan of 400 meters individually outdoors <laughs> just, uh, it just seems too long.
0: Tell me a bit about some of the the, the, the head coaches at GB and your relationship to those guys so it was like it was Charles Van Comen he was there wasn't he and and, and Neil, mm-hmm. Neil Black later what your relationship was like with those guys?
1: Yeah, well, Charles, I uh, I like Charles. Like uh, uh, Charles um, was obviously quite controversial, and I, I think a lot of folk had difficulties with him. But I I never dealt with him a whole lot one on one because he would deal with Malcolm, who was my coach at the time, and Malcolm was a, a, a British Athletics coach too. He was a sort of lead hurdles coach. But anytime I spoke to Charles, he was quite direct you know and he would just kind of ask you like so he'd say to me well why do you keep putting those extra strides in why do you keep looking up your stride pattern and he would be quite brutally honest but I kind of I appreciated that because I was like well I know where I kind of stand with you um and so I always kind of got on with him and and but Malcolm was very much like that as well as a coach Malcolm was very direct and you know he's not gonna molly cuddly he's not gonna try and um tell you what, what you want to hear he's going to be quite direct and honest and, and that was kind of Charles's approach Um Neil like Neil was different Neil was a much softer sort of character um you know and you wouldn't you you wouldn't hear him as much or see him you know his presence was quite um subtle but I knew Neil as a physio so when I first came into the the team Neil was the head physio and, and he treated me quite a lot as well so um so, but Neil, again, was just, you could go to him if you were worried about anything or you needed anything. He was, he was pretty good. But again, I didn't deal with Neil massively because Stephen Maguire was sort of Neil's number two, if you like. And and I had a really good relationship with Stephen because Stephen had been head of Scottish Athletics. Uh, he'd been there in 2014. Um, he'd been my kind of point of contact for, for, for a good while. So I always used to go to Stephen if I ever had any issue and 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 anything like that and he would kind of then go to Neil on my behalf or um so so it was kind of more Stephen who I had the relationship with and 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 yeah Stephen would kind of I felt really comfortable being able to just go to him and ask him if I needed anything um and then Christian i Basically, Christian came along and I retired. (laughs) So I never got a real chance to work with Christian. Um, But obviously, I I knew him as an athlete and I got involved with him as an athlete. But yeah, that's what I said to him when he phoned me up to sort of congratulate me on my retirement. He said, was it something to do with me, something I said? So I said, no, no, it's it's not you, don't worry. And so, yeah. So, um, yeah, real contrasting personalities, I think. but, But do you know what? I think with a... I always think with a performance director it needs to be you need to know exactly where you stand and, and you need to know exactly what it is you need to do to make a team and I, again I was very fortunate in my career that I always ran the qualifying stand and I always finished top two at trials so I, I, I made teams so I never had any I never had any reason to have any negative dealings with them or any sort of I didn't have to appeal anything or anything like that so um so it was always quite um good relationships but but not close. Like they were always kind of just comfortable and at a distance, you know, um, and professional really.
0: Are there any funny stories behind the scenes there with the, with the coaches or the teammates there who was, uh, I don't know, any mischievousness or anything like that going on? Any funny stories you can share that from the uh, from the team the team trips away?
1: I'm sure there is. <laughs> you know, it's, it's always the it's always the release really selections that are always the ones that that. Um, that bring up the most controversy like I remember in 2014 we were we were about to have our four by four meeting about who was going to be in the team and, and the four by one had their meeting like before us and I remember like three three, three out the girls came out of their meeting like in floods of tears like crying and I was like this is like <laughs> this is something else but that was that is always the most kind of like um nail biting moment is when you're kind of waiting to see are you gonna be there in the strike four for the four by four and it's always like well, what are people thinking and um but I'm trying to think if there's any been any sort of any sort of interesting stories. Although I did miss out our performance I I missed out um um where did I miss out there was somebody in between there was somebody before Neil I'm sure that I missed out i will come back to me. i will come back to
0: uh, me. Um, no, it's not. Dave. Not, not Dave, Dave Collins. Dave, Dave Collins before. No, he was before. Charles. Or, he was yeah.
1: before, um, Charles um, Peter Oexen. That's who it was. Peter oh, Erickson. Peter
0: Oexen. Of course, yeah. Peter Oexen. Yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah. Because
1: Peter. Peter was in charge for the. So he. He must. He came in t- 2013. So Peter was in charge for the European indoors, and he was in charge for the European Cup, and I. Ran the European indoors and won in silver, and ran the European Cup and smashed my PB. So for those two jobs up here, I was in charge? He was the best performance director because I, I I smashed my PB. So so um, but he he came and went sort of thing. So that was that was him. Um, but I'm trying to think if there's any. I'm sure. I mean, I'm, there there must be there must be stories, but I just can't think off the top of my head because I've been to so many blooming championships. There's been uh, so many.
0: Who who. Who were the ones who would lighten things up in the in the background? What, which GBT mix were the ones that would uh, create you know have a bit of fun in the background? Who were?
1: Well, there's always know, a sort of used. perception. Yeah, there's always a sort of perception that the sprinters are the sort of loud ones and the um, the noisy ones. Although, in saying that, in 2013, um, the night before my 400 to meet indoor, in the, in the European indoors in, 20, in 2013, sorry, the European indoors in Gothenburg. I, it was the night before my final, and my final was really early in the morning because they had the to metre final in the morning and then the 4x4 was in the evening, and I was sharing with Laura Muir. This was Laura Muir's first ever uh, chance, and uh, next door to us were two sprinters um, who shall remain nameless, although I could probably name them because because I think <laughs> I've told this story before, but anyway, there's two sprinters next door who have been really noisy and uh, experienced Sprinters, older sprinters in the team who'd been around for a while and they're being really noisy. And I remember just thinking, and I remember being awake and I was obviously sort of moving around because I couldn't sleep. And Laura got up and she said, I'm going, I'm going to have a word with them. And I said, No, no, it's fine. Don't worry. Don't worry. She's like, No, it's not fair. You got your final the next day. So Laura got up and went out and she knocked on their door and she said, and she, she gave them what for and said, You need to be quiet because Ailey's got a final the next day and it's not fair that you're being so noisy. And uh, I think she just completely crumbled these guys. <laughs> I think they just, uh, they were like really, really sorry. I think because, and, and Laura's such a, you know, she's, yes, on the track, Laura's like a, a firework, but like, when you see Laura just around the hotel, and that she's, she's, she's quiet. She's unassuming, you know, really softly spoken, just like, you know, just think such a nice girl. And uh, I think just her going and having a go at the, the two of these guys just really had an impact. And, uh, And one of those spirits in particular still apologizes to me to this day. (laughs) He's
0: like, (laughs) Come on, who is it? Sorry about that, that?
1: (laughs) Who is it? Um, it's, it was it was Dwayne Chambers and Harry aitken <laughs> but oh, I Dwayne, see. Right, okay. so. oh, Dwayne. Yeah, the idea
0: the
1: idea of little, little
0: Laura going into those big guys as well
1: <laughs> and, and Dwayne Bless and and the thing is they they weren't they were just they were just like chatting and they were just I think the people in the room and they were just kind of having a good time and they'd finished and it was and and they they, they had no idea that they were like being that noisy and and like I say as soon as Laura went and spoke to them they were definitely quiet after that and like I say, Dwayne came up to me the next day and was so apologetic you know he was like I'm really sorry and I said that's fine it's fine but I think yeah Laura's little impact then so that was the sort of start of Laura's deal, you know fire and that sort of determination to make sure everybody will do well so um, yeah so I owe that to her that that first chap that she was at she was so, not intimidated on. by uh, anybody else on that team
0: I think that's where the Scottish Jackson does come in handy isn't it sometimes yes <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about some of the coaches that guided you then.
1: So you, you started off at Petrivi. Was that Norman who, st- who started out with you? Yeah, so Norm- yeah. Yeah, Norman was the first kind of... Yeah, so it was Norman and his son, Glenn. So Glenn sort of did the endurance side of things for me and then Norman did the the hurdling. He did the hurdle side of things. um, And yeah, I mean, they were the, the they were the ones that found found me in the event. Like Norm- Norman was sort of determined that I was going to be a four hurdler. He could kind of see that really early before I could see it. And he, they were the ones that sort of again kept me in the sport throughout the sort of university you know when I was struggling at that point and then you know they, they they were there to sort of still be there for me when I you know came through that and um, so yeah I owe, owe a massive amount to them without Norman um, and Glenn I went not Glenn that's Norman's son I wouldn't have, have, have stayed in the sport and um, and again I wouldn't have probably found found my event that, that suited me so much um, and then and then from Norman and uh, Glenn I went to Stuart Hogg for sort of two years um and Stuart, Stuart was a very different coach like Stuart was um I don't know if Stuart had coached many women he'd, he'd coached Aileen McGilvery, um but I don't know if he's coached many women before he coached me because um yeah I think he, you think he struggled with me a little bit you know and I think is I'm the sort of athlete that'll uh that'll do whatever you say like there's not really anything if you tell me to do something I'll go and do it there's not really anything. Um, so there's nothing, nothing else about me. Like you know, there's nothing, nothing else going on. Like it's, it's very much like tell me what to do, and I'll, and I'll go and do it. But I always thought Stuart was kind of looking for, for me to question him or looking for me to sort of give a bit more. Um, you know, and he was used to training the guys, and the guys would have sort of banter, and they would all have, you know. They'd all have chat back, whereas I was just quiet, and I would just kind of go on and get on with things. And then, um, yeah, uh, yeah, Stuart <laughs> was just, he was just there, uh, yeah, he was, he was something else. And then for Stuart, <laughs> I went to Ma- Malcolm, um, and Malcolm was just uh, like I remember moving down to Bath and training with Malcolm, and and uh, everybody. Everybody kind of thought with Malcolm that he has this like magic formula, you know, because he's produced so many great athletes and and you know world record holders and world champions and Olympic champions and and I went down there and, and and really it was just train hard like like I say Malcolm's very straightforward. He's like just train hard, get on with it, and you'll get what you deserve. And and he and, and he's not the sort of person like Stuart was. Stuart was strict, so Stuart would want to know what was going on in your life twenty four seven. Like he'd want to know, well, you know. He, what thing you were getting to bed and 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 you know make sure you weren't doing too much and and it was that kind of control thing with Stuart whereas Malcolm was very much like well if you choose to go to your bed late at night then and you don't train well the next day well it's your own fault like you know he and, and you know and he he wouldn't care if you well he obviously would care but with Malcolm it was like well you're going to get out of it what you put into it you know and, and if you're wanting to waste your own time or you're wasting your own time like that's it so so um and and I think me, Malcolm and I had a really good relationship because like I say, I just Malcolm would tell me what to do, I would go away and do it, I would train hard and I would I would do everything else right around it as well. But Malcolm didn't need to check up on me to make sure I was doing everything right. He just left me to do it and then you know, ultimately he knew I was doing everything right because I was showing it on the track and I was showing it in training and he had that respect for me and and, and you know and it was equal, you know. I I, I just respected him so much. Um and like I say, there was no magic formula down in Bath. It was just you come here and you train hard and you'll get what you want out of it. And and again, Malcolm wasn't somebody who had an ego. You you he, he was he'd coached everybody in it and but he just he just likes seeing people get the best out of themselves. So that was always what he said. He always just liked seeing people get the best out of themselves. And so when I won the European Championships, like yeah I got a hug from Malcolm but it was no he never showed you any real emotion he was just like great you know job done you know I remember when Dai won the world championships and there was a maybe a little fist pump but they were you you know you never saw that like massive celebration he was just you know he was just a a very kind of you know controlled kind of man And, and and like I say he just enjoyed seeing athletes get the best of themselves but he had no ego he wasn't you know celebrating our wins and, and you know what the percentages of, of your money or your contracts are. and he was just like I'll be at the track at this time, you come down and I and I'll train you sort of thing. So um yeah it was I don't know if I explained that that, that well between the two no. coaches, but yeah it was um it was it was different, you know, and, and and I had a great I had a great relationship with Malcolm and I still talk to Malcolm to this day. Like you know I just um you know and, and Malcolm when I um when I moved down to Bath I lived with a family down there um, when I first moved down and, and I was only really meant to live with that family for a year until the Olympic Games but I basically, they just took me into their family and I ended up living with them up until 20, 2014, 2015 and then they, I couldn't live with them any any longer because they needed the room back that I was kind of renting. <laughs> so um, I was like I'll get my own place down in Bath and um, and I'd kind of saved pretty well at that point. I thought I'll get a, I'll get a place down there. And that, while I was looking, Malcolm basically said, "Well, you know, you come and live with me and my wife, and and we'll look after you till you get yourself sorted." And I think I was like the 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 tenth athlete that Malcolm and his wife had, had brought into their home and looked after. <laughs> like so, I lived with them for like three months, and it was basically like Malcolm's wife she just she made me my dinner she looked after me like she just was just so lovely and as is Malcolm but like you know Madeline's his wife right, they just took me into their family again and you know and, and we would do th- like their family would come over and visit and they would include me in everything so so yeah Malcolm kind of went from being that coach and that sort of figure to then you know just being somebody who who was like family, and you know, and him and his family, yeah. um, and 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 yeah, and, and like I say, I, I still speak to him to this day, so it was a great relationship there. But like I say, they, I mean, I think Colin lived with them for a while. I think Ian Mackie lived there. I think Dan and Campbell lived there. I think like everybody sort of talks about Mal- Malcolm's wife, Madeline, and her cooking, and they're like, <laughs> did you, if you, you know, how was how was living with Madeline? Her cooking's great, isn't it? So yeah, so um, so that was really yeah. nice. And then when Malcolm it's, retired, right?
0: It's, it's funny how he has this sort of uh, guru reputation almost. I'm, I'm sure it's not cultivated by him, but it certainly has a guru reputation. And yet yeah, it's Malcolm he and doesn't. Madeline living together, isn't it? Cooking.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <I think laughs> some, somebody described him as a cross between like Victor Meldro and, and and Dumbledore from Harry Potter. <laughs> and I remember using oh. that to him. And he, I don't know how chuffed he was that I used that, but <laughs> it was that kind of softness of like, Dumbledore and, and the sort of wiseness of him, but also that sort of like, you know, persona of the grumpy man, that, you know, and he's not, he's, you know, he's, he's very funny, Malcolm. He's got a great sense of humour. And uh, yeah, but I think he likes sometimes to give off that persona. He's, he's maybe, you know, a little bit stern and, and, you know, a little bit grumpy at times, but he's, he's not really. Um, but yeah, and then when he retired, Brian took over. And um, that was a really easy transition because Malcolm had basically been mentoring Brian. For, for the la- Malcolm kind of knew he was coming towards the end of his career. Yeah,
0: this, this, is,
1: this is Brian. Brian's
0: your husband, isn't he? But right, he was he was, na- he was husband, an athlete yeah. himself, wasn't he? In his own he was yeah. an athlete himself in his own right. Uh, national yeah. standard two hundred metres, wasn't he? 200 meters, 400 meters? Yeah. Uh, two hundred metres,
1: four hundred metres. Yeah, he did yeah. twos and fours, and he actually competed for Ireland um, at Europeans back in Gothenburg yeah, in two thousand six okay. uh, hmm. seven. Um, so yeah, so so Brian, you should know that
0: Ellie. You've got to know that. You've got to know that. Oh, Come on now. No, I'm just trying
1: to work it <laughs> out. it would have been two thousand six. I think the Europeans because yeah, the seven would be world champ. So yeah, we would be 2006. Um, so yeah, so Brian, yeah. um, Brian, when I when I when I moved to my own place in in Bath, well, it was from actually, just outside Bath. Brian moved down at that point, and we were we'd got married, and and um, he sort of became a sort of kind of training partner, and um, and a sort of number two to Malcolm. And Malcolm, you know, they he got went through all his coaching qualifications, and he used to sort of spend the afternoons with Malcolm at the track, and. Malcolm would go through training programmes and 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 sort of his theories on things and um and, and yeah, basically trained Ma- trained Brian up to then take over the coaching role. Um so Brian Brian took over, kind of officially took over after after the Rio Olympics, but Malcolm was still in the picture. Malcolm was still he would come out, he came out to Tenerife with us to a training camp and he was he was still we were still down in Bath training there, and Malcolm was still down there as well. So he would come along the track now and again you know especially for the hurdle sessions just to come in and, and have another eye on me as well so so there that was a really good transition because like I say Malcolm really helped Brian um have the confidence to to take over the role and keep him right and then um yeah and then Brian was was coached 2017-2018 and then in the of 2019.
0: Um, how, how important is it, or how useful is it to have uh you know your partner your husband is an athlete or is, is, is steeped in athletics and understands the lifestyle because it must be you know for uh, just does it make the whole thing the whole process easier
1: yeah it does I mean I think for me I think even just when we first got together I think you know somebody understands you know what it is that you're kind of going through but then again you know when we were together a bit longer and then it would be I'd uh, be away a lot and then you know we 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 lived together we got we got our dog and it was like I was away you know and, and effectively Brian was the one that encouraged me to move to Bath to dream with Malcolm and so I was kind of leaving him back up in Scotland with the house with the dog and everything like that to look after everything while I could go and kind of pursue my dreams effectively mm-hmm. um but then as well they understand that sort of discipline of like well I need to have an early night I need to you know be eating healthy I need to be eating well I need to be recovering you know um all those sort of things um but yeah, it was it was easier. And then when he became coach, it was it was good because then he was there with me on champs. So when I went out to the Gold Coast for the Commonwealth Games in Australia, we were gone for like six weeks. Um, and so it was nice to just have well not only my coach there, but actually my husband there to kind of keep a little bit of normality, to keep a little bit of home comforts there, you know. So you're not getting homesick too much, you know. You've got your 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 right hand man kind of with you the whole time. So yeah, it was it was nice to to have to have Brian as my coach. I don't know if it would necessarily have been as easy if he'd been my coach in the earlier part of my career, but I think the way we did it, the way it transitioned with Malcolm and then Brian took over, it just, it worked. It all worked.
0: Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile.
1: With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices
0: Okay, and I guess towards when we get towards 2018, your career's coming towards, I mean, did you know it's coming towards the end of that stage?
1: Yeah, I remember thinking after tw- after the Commonwealth Games and after the Gold Coast, mm. um, like I had a really good chance at there. I carried the flag for Scotland, and, and it was a really, I didn't realise how exhausting that trip had been until I came home from it, and it was like six weeks. And, and all the champs is only you know the, the 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 week and a half, but you're out there the whole time, and then that whole six weeks you're preparing for a championship, so it's quite mentally draining. I remember just coming away from that being really exhausted, but thinking I'm really satisfied with my career, I could I could quite happily just call it a day and be really content with that career. And I think as soon as you start saying things like that, then you know that you're coming towards the end of it because you're thinking about these things already. Um, Although I still kind of went on and competed for, for, for almost another year after that. But I think as soon as you sort of, sort of say those things out loud, then the sort of writing's on the wall.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um,
1: and uh, and I guess that, the, the, well, the
0: then you, you became a mum, didn't you? So that's, uh, <laughs> that made life uh, doubly yeah, well, difficult to be an athlete, yeah.
1: Well, uh, and that was a kind of easy transition because I remember in 2019, I was thinking, and I remember people saying to me, like, I ran the European indoors in 2019 and And I didn't make the final and and I came off the track and and I did my interview after the race. And and I was like, oh, well, you know, it's just it's one of those things. It's, you know, you you win some, you lose some almost. And a lot of people said to me afterwards, you didn't seem overly bothered that you didn't make the final. And I remember thinking, yeah, that's a good point, actually, because I remember that happened in 2017 at the European Indoors. I just missed the final. I remember being devastated, like really upset about it. And, And that was a kind of trigger to me to say, oh, right, okay. maybe this isn't, doesn't mean as much to me as it used to do And it was actually other people who noticed it as well like my sister had said to me like I remember watching your interview and, and thinking you didn't seem that bothered that you hadn't made the final and, and and so to me I thought well something's maybe not quite quite the same anymore um, But I didn't want to sort of step away from the sport completely and um, so I thought right let's um let's maybe and have a family and 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 see see if that happens and thankfully it sort of did and that gave me sort of almost like a year of of thinking about other things and 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 sort of transitioning a little bit um and actually after having Campbell my son I really had a fire to kind of get back and I thought it'd be really good to try and get back and make my 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 third Olympic games and and uh after having him like the labor and everything went actually sort of better than we planned and I was back a lot earlier than I thought we would and everything was going really well and then Covid hit and uh, everything stopped and then I got to kind of spend, i well, not quite a year but I then got to spend just time with my son at home all the time and I was still training and I was still kind of geared towards the Olympics and I, and I was still kind of wanting to try and make it then the Olympics got cancelled and then I thought great I've got another well postponed and I thought great I've got another sort of 12 months to get ready for it now I can really kind of make it back properly um and my motivation just for that kind of 2020 2021 was just up and down um you know some days I'd be really motivated to make the the Olympics and other days I just thought I just want to you know be at home and be a mum. and and then ultimately it came down to the fact that um my plan before COVID hit was to, to try and make the Olympics, try and make the 4x4 squad, to go to Tokyo with my baby and my husband, who's my coach, and be this family unit and go out there and kind of make it back and then probably retire after that. But then when everything happened with COVID and then the Olympics were postponed and then it became, yeah, the Olympics are on, but you know it's going to be very different. You're going to be going out there. You're going to have to go out there early. Nobody's allowed to come out with you all of a sudden it is like okay I'm going to be going out to Tokyo for sort of four weeks without my son without my husband without my family unit who I've kind of been doing this with we've been this team and all of a sudden I just thought I don't really want to do that like I don't want to go away and it'd be different if I was in the peak of my career and I was going to be going there and potentially the chance to win a medal but ultimately I was probably going to be going there I might have made the hurdles I probably was going to be going there as part of the 4 by 4 I might not have even made the Strike 4 team and and really was it worth it and to me it just it wasn't anymore mm-hmm. you know and I kind of liked my memories of the sport as they were pre-Covid you know going to champs being part of that environment you know having a crowd and so I just said at that point it was one day at training I just thought oh, you know what like I'm okay I'm done mm-hmm. you know I, I'm, I'm happy now to sort of step away and uh, and 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 you know pursue other things now and, and, and that was kind of how it happened
0: mm, yeah yeah a natural ending really yeah did you I mean, how, how did you find it now like look, you're finished now do you you still you're still involved in some way aren't you you're still you've been involved with scottish athletics haven't you as well and do you still keep yeah, fit as I'm well
1: the, i'm on the board of scottish athletics i've just started trying to kind of get back into things um training wise it's just hard because like i say my youngest is um is four months so yeah it's a bit trickier sort of trying to plan things around him um but but yeah I I mean like I say I'm a big fan of it and I still like to, to to watch but I think having that year away being pregnant and then having the year of Covid now when I look at it and I watch it I feel quite separate from it now you know I don't mm-hmm. feel like oh I've just left that sport um I feel quite separate from it now and I think that was kind of easier for me because it wasn't you know yes I watched the world champs in 2019 but I was you know I was heavily pregnant so I wasn't thinking oh I could be there I was thinking thank goodness I'm not there because you know I'm the size of a house um but yeah so so yeah for me it was it was quite an easy transition out of the sport Um, I didn't think oh I wish I was there or I just enjoyed watching it as a fan. Yeah okay how do you see how do you
0: see modern athletics now do you what do you watch it and uh... Do you watch it and is there something? I mean, what, I guess one thing that, that's changed a lot in you know, when you first started it on the scene was um, so, social media, the advent of social media, and how that's the, the role that plays in athletics. What's what's your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't think my career would be as long now um, if if social media was a thing when I started out. Um, Why'd you, why why you say that? Um, because I think you can't like. You used to be able to go away and run a race and, and, and run a bad race or you used to be able to go away and, and try something out. Whereas now everything is reported, everything is um, is there. Sorry, you can see my child crying in the magnet. Um, so, so it's hard to go away and, and, and try different things because everybody's kind of got an opinion on your race, an opinion on things. But also as well, like sp- sponsorships have changed. So it used to be you would get a kit contract based on running fast or running a certain time whereas a lot of it is now based on your followers or your you know how much your social media gains interest and i'm not somebody who does a lot on social media you know i'm not somebody who pushes a lot of things so sponsors probably wouldn't be very you know inclined to use me um for things um and yeah i think it's it's very different now than, than what it was when when i first started out and i think you have to be a lot you have to be a lot more thick-skinned i think because you can now see a lot more opinions than you used to before mm-hmm. and and it's hard to switch off to that sometimes um, and yeah I think it's I think it's trickier to be to be an athlete now than it was when I first started out.
0: Is it something you, you ever you, did you have a, have, a, have, a, have a positive experience or negative experience of social media did you ever get people having a pop at you online or, or oh yeah opposite?
1: I think if you yeah I mean yeah definitely like people always have opinions I remember coming back after being injured in 2018 and I ran at the anniversary games and I, I think I finished like seventh or eighth and somebody said to me what a waste of lottery funding on this athlete and stuff like that but I mean, you 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 expose yourself to it. if you go and look on social media after you don't run well, then you're kind of allowing yourself to 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 see these things and 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 yes, they're not right. they the 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 you know people should be saying these things, um, but yeah, you can kind of cut yourself away from it and and ultimately you just come off social media if you don't want to see these things. But then again, you need to have a platform as an athlete. So, um, but I'm pretty. I can kind of switch off to things quite easily as well. I can be quite level in that sense, so things don't really affect me. And um, I worry, like, if my family were to read things, they're always more more protective. Or if Brian was to read things, he's a bit more protective than I am. But um, yeah, you just—it's of things back to me, really. I don't, I don't; these things don't really bother me. But I haven't been badly, you know, trolled or anything like that, like other some other people have, you know.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and your event in particular, like just looking at modern day athletics, your 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 events become a real high profile event now is not it because you know sydney mclaughlin's <laughs> exploits and femke Ball, it's yeah.
1: become
0: well yeah. i mean what, what, what's your thoughts on those guys i mean it's just incredible yeah doing, isn't
1: it? well it's, i i don't i couldn't believe i mean i just can't believe people run that fast over the hurdles. to be honest yeah. and, i mean i think the, the whole sport has come on a lot you know i think with the, the new technology there's the new spikes there's all these aspects now so everything has pushed on so now times that were very impressive when i ran are no longer that impressive so you know now all of a sudden sub 10 isn't that impressive for the 100 meters sub 53 isn't as impressive now for the hurdles like you know it's just ridiculous Mm. um but for me it's quite it's i can enjoy it as a fan because i feel quite um distance from it now like i say because you know those sort of times i can't compare so i can't say well i if i was running you know i'd probably beat these guys. i have no idea and obviously i I don't believe i would beat sydney mclaughlin on femka ball but you Mm. know it's it's like you know, it's almost like two separate races now, and it's um, yeah, it's just it just shows you how much the sport's kind of moving on now, and, and how it's it's developing. And like I say, yeah, all of a sudden, like I never thought I'd ever see anybody run fifty-one seconds over hurdles, but let alone fifty point. You know, it's ridiculous. Um, yeah, yeah. But it's 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 good that it's the event that's been talked about
0: it's some spectacle yeah but in both the men's mm. and women's events uh women's yeah. event, it's, yeah. it's, it's a real spectacle event now um yeah and and, and also just coming to the back of a summer that's seen you know Scottish athletes doing very well at the uh, commonwealth games and the european championships i mean you know you, you won't you won't blow your own trumpet on this but you were a bit of a trailblazer for those guys you were the first one that of got your head above the parapet and started winning medals consistently at um at major championships so there's a, a big gap between you and the likes of you know you know, my time in Scotland was uh, <laughs> spent. T- with a lot of people reminiscing about like Liz, McC- Liz McColgan and Yvonne Murray and Tom McKean. Um and we had yeah. the, odd, the, odd, the odd, Lee McConnell did a bit, but it was the real. It was it, there wasn't people really succeeding at international championships. You came along, and do you feel like you might you, you might be too modest to say, but do you feel you have any role in the in the likes of you know Laura coming forward and I don't know Lindsay Sharp and de- know, those guys? You know, did you feel do you feel part of that or?
1: I feel part of it. I feel part of their journey. I feel like you know, um, and the nice thing was when I retired, I got some really lovely messages from those those guys. You know, like Laura, like Lindsay, um, you know, and Alish, and, and and that that meant a lot. And I think, you know, it's just, um, I think it's just nice to have somebody that you 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 know you know who's who's in the teams and doing well. And, and like you say, when I won my first medal in twenty ten, so did Steph twelve. She won her first first medal then too. You know, so there was the two of us, and then. I think it's just the many... But, but you, but you
0: uh, with all respect to Steph, and Steph's a great athlete, is uh, still an athlete, but, you know, you've come through the system, you've come through you've been Yeah, a club athlete, I think you're exactly. on the scene all the way through.
1: Yeah. I think that's it. I think, you know, when you look back to sort of Scottish schools, you'll see my name and the results and stuff like that. And I think that always helps. I mean, Laura and I obviously went to the same school, so, you know, we were both aware of each other. And um, I think, yeah, I think it just helps if you see, you see that pathway, you see the sort of pathway of, of club to, you know, Scottish International to then GB International to then, you know, World Champs, Olympic Games, all those sort of things. I think it just makes it very, you know, makes it more achievable if you see that pathway. Um, and then, you know, you, you get on teams and you, and you have the familiar face of the people that you know, and then you're on teams again together, and then you see the person win the medals. And, yeah, it's all just that part of the journey. And, and, like I say, I feel like I've been part of, you know, I feel like I've been part of Laura's journey, you know, and now she's going on to do bigger and better things. I feel like I was there at the start of that. And, and the same with Ailish and... And Jake and all those guys, like I remember Jake in Glasgow 2014, you know, not having a great time there. And yeah, it's just nice to be part of it. And, and, and whether there's been influences there, um, you just don't know, I suppose. But I think, like I say, I think if you can see that pathway, like athletes now will see the Laura's and the elishes and the Jake's with those pathways. I think it's really important to, to see that, you know. Um, that they've started where you know where, where other athletes will start, you know, at doing the district cross countries or doing the Scottish champs, all those sort of things. I think it's very clear to see that pathway.
0: Mm-hmm. So what, what's the, what's next for you then? What's you, you're obviously a, you're, a, you're a mum of two now. Um, you're mm-hmm. a big fan of Hearts still, aren't you? Still a big fan of Hearts football clubs? Yeah, 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 yeah. Hmm.
1: i follow them closely I've not got a season ticket anymore because like my children, I, I can't leave my. I, I feel bad if I leave my husband every weekend to go and watch them, but yeah, I still follow them, I still follow them, so uh, yeah, still, still a big part of my life.
0: <laughs> okay, okay, and you still stay, stay fit as well then, have you got any, any other ambitions of uh, anything else you would do away from the sport, is there stuff you'd like to uh, run a marathon I've or just, a track uh, or that sort of thing?
1: Oh no, 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 none of that, none of that, <laughs> I think I need to sort of step away first and then maybe, maybe at some point, but not anytime soon, no, um, no, 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 I quite like, I quite like the fact that I can just not have to worry about sort of hitting targets or hitting certain times and you know it's it's actually had you know a summer where i could actually have a summer rather than you know thinking about your races and things like that so it's nice just being able to uh yeah to be a bit normal for a change Mm -hmm.
0: so what do you see yourself doing in the future then do you you see yourself closely involved or do you think you'll be doing something entirely different
1: yeah well i've actually just um i've just um signed a contract with educate um with sports scotland so i'm going to be doing a bit of work with them just supporting some of the the work they do with sort of schools and young ambassadors and um, I'm still on the board of Scottish Athletics so yeah I still want a career in, in sport I still I think it's really important to sort of share your experiences share your knowledge and um, whether we're trying to work out where that is most useful where that's most relevant um, and uh, you know I've always got my teaching degree to fall back on but I'm yeah I think it's important to to be able to yeah just kind of Use that experience, which is very fresh in my head just now, and uh, in 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 Scotland, and you know, within Sports Scotland, but also also within Scottish Athletics and the governing bodies. So yeah, we'll see where, see where that takes us. Good, good. And
0: finally, I mean, how do I mean, you, you talked a little bit towards the end into about retrospective looking at your career, just would you, as you were coming to the end. How do you how would you like your career to be remembered? Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I think just somebody who got the most out of themselves. I think that's always what I feel like I can say about myself. You know, I might have not necessarily been the the fastest or um, the strongest, but I always felt like I gave everything every time I stepped on the track. You know, and, and sometimes that meant a medal, sometimes it didn't. You know, and um, I think I'd always like being remembered for somebody who just yeah just just got the best out of herself.
0: Great, thanks, Ailey. That's fantastic. Well,
1: I always remember, I always no remember you as a
0: very, a very pleasant young, young lady in uh, oh.
1: 13,
0: 14 year old. I can still see you now, <laughs> and it's just great to thank see you. what a fantastic uh, woman you've become and mum as well. Oh, so. that's really kind. Thank you very
1: th- much. Th-
0: thank you very much.
1: Thanks for listening to Athletic Life Stories with Chris Broadbent. Please tell your friends and leave a review wherever you get your podcast.